Podcast ain't played nobody, your college football marriage of numbers and words. Uh, 2007 was a pretty awesome year, Stephen Godfrey. What were you, what, what are your, what is your immediate mm, first wow, memory man. of 2007? Uh, as you were, I'm pretty sure, like traveling the globe for your job, or were you not doing that just yet? Yeah, no, I was doing that. Um, to get uber personal for a second, here's how 2007 starts for me. Don't ask me why. I don't even want mentions about this. I don't want email. It wasn't a date, but a couple days ago on the SB Nation college football Twitter feed, we asked people where they were when at State beat Michigan. I was on a date. But it wasn't really a date. It was a girl that I had gone on a date with and not particularly enjoyed myself within the social confines of knowing people who knew people. This date that I did not particularly enjoy myself on, she shows up at the bar that we're posted up at watching a day of college football in 2007. I was not in the media this year. Okay, So okay. that's how the year starts for me. It ends with my girlfriend, which is my future wife, calling me from I want to say she was in New Orleans while her dad and brother were in the Superdome watching LSU beat Ohio State and it was at the time the drunkest I'd ever heard her so this is now the mother <laughs> this is now the mother of my children so but she doesn't listen to the podcast so it's cool um yeah so that gives you an idea of like the context of my life now in between that there are so many bizarre flashes of of weird isolated memories more so than almost any other season I can think of. Now, certainly people follow their own teams and they, they sort of view a sport through that lens. But this is a year in which I just remember really, truly loving the sport, really, truly wanting to watch every second of it. Because I think sometimes you and I short sell or over, not short sell, oversell the concept of the whole hog approach, right, of every game. Like, some games are bad. And and this year has acquired this mystic level of hindsight where everything was awesome. But the thing is, Bill, like, everything was, awesome. everything was so awesome. Like, I remember Missouri and Kansas. I remember where, where I was when I watched that. I remember, I mean, I remember Matt Ryan puking on the sidelines on a Thursday night game when he was playing for Boston College. I remember LSU and Kentucky. I remember, like, I mean, and these are just the ones right off the top of my head. There's so many more that we'll get to. So, um, I don't know. I, I just, it's, we did this project. We should back up. If for some reason you're only arriving in 2007 through this particular podcast, <laughs> yeah, that's myself and Bill and the entire college football uh, team over at SB Nation spent the last couple months assembling, how would you describe it, but it's like isolated stories that sort of feed into the overall picture of how amazing college football was 10 years ago this fall. And so we contributed a few things. I did a couple interviews, uh, Bill did a couple pieces, but it was very much a team effort. It's something we're very proud of because I don't know if there's a better calling card or example of what, why we do what we do in the sport that we chose to do it in. So, yeah, like, first of all, back, uh, this is like a year, year and a half ago. I think it was probably Spencer. Somebody pointed out, like, um, you know, we were trying to think ahead at one of our team meetings that we have and, and you know, kind of project forward. We do a decent job of that overall. And uh, Spencer or somebody basically said, you know, next year's the 10-year anniversary of 2007. And everybody in the room just went, oh. And like we've been just giddy about this ever since. And yeah. so back in whenever uh, this these last team meetings were in March or so, I guess um, it was just such an amazing brainstorming process of oh I could write about this and everybody else going oh that's right that happened that year oh and I could write about this oh that happened that year too this was the year that Spurrier really did screw Georgia and uh, USF and BC and Kansas and all these other teams were all good for uh, like eight minutes. And all of these other things that were going on. And it was just a, a really fun project to contribute to. And then to watch it all come together, too. Watch, you know, Alex saying, you know, I talked to, you know, what's his name? Owen Schmidt today and, and Morgan and, and everybody just talking and, and realizing all the personalities involved. This was an amazing year. Now, here are my three most specific memories of the 07 season. And we'll start with this. They're all, uh, for what should be very obvious reasons, Missouri-related. Um, so I watched Michigan Appalachian state, the end of that. Well, actually, no, I didn't watch it because, uh, even though I was in Minneapolis at the time, I don't believe we had big 10 network. 
Um, that was a very, very new concept at the time. But I was in a hotel room. I was up there for a friend's wedding. I think they were they were getting married that Sunday. They were having a party that Sunday. Uh, and then Saturday night, they were having a kind of get together at their house. She's a... One of my oldest, dearest friends, uh, we went to high school together. We we had just enjoyed our 10-year uh, high school reunion that summer. We're about to, in about a week and a half, going to uh, our damn 20-year. God, anyway. Um, so we were up in Minnesota hotel room, and they kept flashing in, like, all right, Michigan's coming back. Michigan's coming back. It's going to be – and it was very – it fit the template of, okay, well, this was almost fun, but Michigan's clearly going to come back and win this game. Um, and I, I don't remember how they did it, but they broke into the highlights with just something like, you're not going to believe what you're about to see. And then they showed the Appalachian State um, blocked field goal at the end. Now, I was in a hotel room. I was planning on going to this party, uh, you know, but the Missouri game, Missouri-Illinois game started at, I don't know, 3 or 4 o'clock, I believe. Um, and Missouri goes up big in the second quarter. Uh, Juice Williams gets hurt. This guy named, I think, uh, Eddie, 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 Eddie. Um, uh, McGee, you are McGee. all alone right now. Yeah, Eddie McGee, um, Illinois' backup quarterback, comes in the game. Um, I believe he's the one who fumbles at the goal line, and, and uh, Missouri's pig Brown returns at 100 yards for a touchdown. Uh, but then in the second quarter, after Jeremy Macklin has scored a couple touchdowns to put Missouri up 24 points, McGee, 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 uh, and suddenly Illinois is driving for the game. Robot point. broke. Huh? Said bro- the robot broke. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Eddie McGee had a career day. He finished with uh, 257 passing yards uh, and a handful of rushing yards and uh, damn near beat Missouri in the opener, but Pig Brown then picked off a pass at the goal line. So uh, I was very late to that party, and I apologize to Tammy. Uh, I, you know, I will apologize to, uh, to her again when I see her in a couple weeks. Uh, that was one memory. Number two memory. Dan Hawkins before the Missouri Colorado game midseason. Oh. Missouri, Missouri has uh, they they lost to Oklahoma, but they destroyed a uh, ranked at Nebraska. They destroyed a ranked Texas Tech. They had just beaten Iowa State um, and Colorado, who had beaten OU earlier in the year. Uh, they made a point of saying that they weren't, you know, they were not afraid of the Missouri passing game. They're not going to, you know, we're playing, we, we play a lot of cover one. We're going to keep playing cover one. We're going to challenge their receivers. And I think every single Missouri fan responded to with that with, oh my God, Chase Daniels is going to throw for 500 yards. Uh, he threw for 421. Um, he went 26 for 44 for 421 and five touchdowns. Uh, and Missouri won 55 to 10. Uh, and then the third memory, I mean, obviously the entire Kansas game uh, was amazing, uh, that, you know, and, and obviously coming, I still remember t- far too much of the Big 12 title game, but the, there is a moment in between those two games, the Kansas and Oklahoma games at the end of the year. I had a friend who worked for Sports Illustrated. His job was to start prepping the congratulations, your team just won the national title magazine. And so basically he had to go out of his way to jinx every team. And then one of them was just going to magically be not jinxed. But he did. He called me to ask, like, OK, what what are some of the stories we need to be putting together just in case this happens? And I'm walking through a grocery store when he calls. And I just kind of like stop in the frozen foods aisle like, oh, my God, there might be my team might have a congratulations commemorative Sports Illustrated issue in like another month and a half didn't no. obviously but there are only about 10 or 12 teams that actually get or 10 or 12 uh, fan bases that actually get to root for national champions everybody else is just trying to have that fleeting moment where oh my god this could happen and i got that moment and that was uh, pretty spectacular i got another one six years later when missouri took the lead uh, actually no 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 i didn't get that in 2013 that was about making the national title game that year when they were beating auburn in the sec title game for a while and i'm uh, gonna I try no my, uh, bill i'm gonna try my hardest right now to let you finish and not try and compare this to the super bowl but uh, it's I just have to say, maybe that's maybe that's another reason why college football is superior. Is what you just said that we look back at '07 and we like we just don't really talk about LSU. We talk about all the other amazing things, yeah. and you as a Missouri fan seem so fulfilled, and that's okay. Yeah, you, no, I mean the the Big Twelve title game sucked. You know, it was it was like fourteen fourteen uh, midway through the third quarter. Missouri's driving to take the lead. Um, the right tackle, I think, blows a block on Jeremy Beal. He sacks Daniel. Daniel's scrambling on third down, gets tripped up by his shoelaces by Curtis Lofton. You know, Missouri punts. OU scores. 
Missouri throws a pick, OU scores again, and it's over. But, yeah, but, I mean, just the ability to – maybe, I mean, it's because we, so many of us have lower expectations. In the Super Bowl, you know, in the NFL, everybody's got the – you know, everybody's playing by the same salary cap rules. Technically, uh, even Browns and Jaguars fans can say that, you know, in this environment, technically we can win a Super Bowl. In college football, it's not like that. You're, you're, um, and that's, that's, that's not a reason why college football is superior. It kind of sucks. And the fondness that we all have for 2007 when USF was awesome – and Boston College was awesome, and Alabama wasn't, and Florida State wasn't, and you know, it, just all these roles were reversed. We are fond of that partially because it was this momentary, you know, democracy in college football, uh, and that maybe we should have more of that because it would be fine. We we don't want it every year because then we wouldn't, you know, we would take it for granted or whatever. But well, I think when people say they root for chaos now, this is what this is the blueprint, right. and they're actually talking about rooting for 2007 because yeah. to have a year in which so here's the flavor of the year yeah, i know that you end with a, a pretty traditional power in lsu beating a, a very traditional power in ohio state right that's still annoying right definitely but that's also a flaw of the bcs and we'll talk about that in a second um you paint a picture of 2007 outside of the national title game you're using missouri kansas south florida Kentucky, Boston College, Boston College, um, Oregon. Before well, we was, Oregon yeah, I was. Uh, that's where I was about to head. Oregon is Oregon o- occupies a strange space here because now we would think of them as a power, but they're very much a ne'er do well. Um, West Virginia, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh right. doesn't even Pittsburgh doesn't even finish with a winning right. record, and we talk about Pittsburgh in two thousand seven as if they were as if that game was supposed to be a game. Yeah. Um, which I think is the definition of a true upset is that the, as the years go by, like it, it, it accelerates into this halcyon level of, of, you know, hyperbolic hindsight. It's just amazing. Um, but yeah, no, those are the teams and those are the cultures and those are the weird things that happen amidst. All right. How about this? Let's do this. So let's back up. And I'm not just trying to veer this towards something I wrote, but I did write about Alabama going six and six and basically how <laughs> the 2007 season was the genesis of, what we know today to be Alabama, not the 2009 national championship, not even the 2008, you know, or yeah, 2008, sorry, I guess you'd say breakout season before they lose to Florida. This, uh, I talked to Greg McElroy. I originally had spoken with a few coaches that were on the staff of the 2007 Nick Saban team, and they were so aggressive and paranoid about talking about be working for Saban as active coaches now they're not on the Bama staff. It was so weird. It's probably a, like a story for another time maybe, but we had to shift dramatically late in the project, and I just I got Greg McElroy on the phone, and he talked about the perspective of coming in as this like scared freshman essentially and just watching his world completely change. Um, and I, I don't even know what made the final cut because we haven't seen everything yet as we record this, but you know, these like insane violent conditioning programs that Nick Saban institutes, how they how they go about recruiting, how the culture changes, all that stuff. So that all happens in 2007 because I just want this to sink in. If you're 25 right now, you don't understand this. Alabama was a tepid, like vulnerable six and six, could have easily been five and seven, could have easily been four and eight. <laughs> They barely beat Colorado in the bowl game. They barely beat Ole Miss in Oxford. They barely beat um, – gosh, I got off the top of my head. The point is this. This is the norm in 2007. Alabama is not particularly good. Florida State is not Florida State. As you go around the country, Clemson is Clemsoning. This is this whole Clemsoning culture thing is like – Clemson is no more national p- title contender in 2007. Hell, Boston College looks like a better horse to bet on, Right. <laughs> this is the landscape. Michigan loses to App State. And in that absence, this is where the usurpers arise. Now, now let me ask you this. Do you think that – do you think this becomes a, a blueprint that we – you know, your, one of your absolute most favorite work quotes of mine is that college football hates a usurper. Well, this was a year in which, like, essentially the people revolted. <laughs> like, it, like, at least the underclass did. Yeah. I mean, it was French Revolution as hell. So – is this the blueprint now for the way that we look at these things with with, with underdog or scrappy teams? And, and I haven't even gone through. I should go through and just look at the entire one through, like, I think it was 116 back then. Of Like, there are at least 10, 15, 20 
traditional power names that just aren't there. They're just yeah. they're they're for whatever reason all in in the middle of a quagmire. Which, by the way, I don't think that can ever happen again. Uh, well, it will. It it absolutely will be in one season. Well, well, I mean, obviously that that was a unique circumstance, but it could. It has happened before. We'll walk through one of the pieces I wrote was about other crazy ass seasons in college football. Um, but just yeah, you know, generally, um, the way that two thousand seven happened was a combination of hires and uh, one of those emerging offensive trends that not everybody had figured out yet. Uh, and when you have that. Um, yeah, when you have Alabama with Mike Shula instead of Nick Saban, uh, until 07, obviously. Um, and when you've got Bobby Bowden clearly over the hill, and when you've got um, uh, USC, USC was still really good, so I'm going to pass over that one. They just they lost a couple games because their quarterback was hurt, basically, uh, and that helped. So you had injuries, too. You had injuries, you had coaching hires that weren't quite stable, and you had an emerging uh, set of offenses where you know West Virginia and Oregon were unstoppable with the zone read, and Kansas and Missouri uh, and, and others. Well, Florida, hell, Florida. Uh, ha- all had their versions of kind of a, a of a spread them out and throw, but also still run really well kind of kind of system. Um, you know, when you've got those things all kind of converging, that that is a possibility. But so much of it, part of it is injuries, and so much of it is who's coaching which teams, mm-hmm. uh, and that just has to have a jolt uh, sometimes. So here, actually, I'll, I'll uh, since I just brought it up, I'll go ahead and lead, lead in with this. So there were we basically came up with uh, eleven other seasons or ten other seasons of um, absolute ridiculous chaos. And, and you, you do kind of start to see little trends emerging on how they happen. So counting from in chronological order, I believe this was, yeah, this was chronological. Uh, 1914, you had... Um, oh, of course. Yes, of course. You had Chicago, Michigan, and Yale, all massive, powerful teams, all uh, with starting to suffer a downturn, in part because all the rules had changed and uh, people were still trying to figure out what good offense was. But you had all of them losing at least twice, which is a humongous deal since they were averaging combined about three losses per season. Uh, and then you had Illinois going undefeated, Texas going undefeated, Colorado and Colorado School of Mines were awesome in, in 1914. And then, you know, everything changes after the war and, and we get the balance of power back. 1936, we had 12 different teams making top uh, appearances in the top five of the polls. And part of that was probably because nobody, you know, it was a very regional thing back in the day. But you had in your major bowl games, you had Duquesne beating Mississippi State. You had TCU and Marquette playing. You had Santa Clara beating LSU. And then you had Pitt Washington. And that was the p- big powerhouse. Uh, 2007, this is not in chronological order as I go through, to, or 2000, excuse me, was number nine on the list, uh, where you had Oklahoma suddenly being awesome again, just kind of out of the blue. But you had 16 different teams in the top five, 23 in the top 10, um, and two of the top four in the preseason uh, finished outside the top 20. You mm-hmm. had 1959, which that was a very weird time for obvious reasons, where you know you basically had two countries playing each other, and they very rarely interacted with each other. Uh, and that's a subject of a much longer podcast. But you had uh, three teams in the SEC basically fielding their best teams all at once, Ole Miss, LSU, and Georgia. You had Syracuse putting everything together. You had a bunch of uh, elite Big Ten teams completely falling apart, like Ohio State. Uh, you had OU finally starting to lose its grip over the country, and you had Syracuse winning the national title. You had 1983, where Nebraska hid us from the fact that everything below Nebraska was absolutely nuts, and suddenly you had a Miami team that got, I think, blown out by Florida, if I remember right, to start the year. Uh, they beat Nebraska, and holy crap, suddenly they're number one. Uh, you had four teams in the year-end top ten beginning the season unranked, which is nuts. Uh, you had 1943. Uh, where Ohio State won the national title in 42 and then plummeted. You had Georgia and Wisconsin plummeting. A bunch of teams all flipped around. You had Dartmouth and Pacific and Tulsa and Penn in the top 20. Uh, There was kind of this war going on that screwed that up a little bit. So, you know, a little explainable. Yeah, I mean, for whatever that's worth. 1967, Indiana went to the Rose Bowl. 1985, you had... uh, (laughs) 
You've had Iowa, you had Auburn, you had Michigan, you had Florida, you had Penn State, Miami, Oklahoma, all, uh, all these teams for a minute looking like they were the best team in the country. You had Air Force threatening to make to win a national title a year after BYU did it until they lost to BYU, strangely enough. Uh, and then, uh, you know, things kind of midseason OU loses star quarterback Troy Aikman and then becomes a national title team and goes and wins a national title. That was weird. 84. BYU won the national title. You know all the things that in, in the way this sport hates usurpers. You know all the things that would have had to happen that year for that to happen. Still weird, right? We tried to do that last year. Right. Because it's BYU big- uh, last year had a theoretically good enough schedule had they run the table. And I think, I think your summation was that it was still not possible. Yeah, it was going to be very difficult. But in or, I mean, par- partner bowl, but not playoff. Yeah, so here, here's what you all uh, – everything that needed to happen for BYU to win the national title that year. 1984 had six different number one teams, the most ever, and 25 different top ten teams, the most ever. Um, that, it just, every single week, somebody uh, – it was a new number one and they were losing. It was uh, really one of the probably two seasons that can truly compete with 2007. Uh, the next one happened six years later um, when – uh, as I put it, here's why 1990 was nuts. The most impactful game of the year, Georgia Tech at Virginia. The most impactful play happened on fifth, fifth and goal. And, by the way, uh, I am a Missouri fan. I'm legally required to mention that he didn't score on fifth down. And the second most impactful play of the year was a clipping penalty on a punt return. So... Yeah, it, that was a, a a really really strange year. You had uh, unranked Georgia Tech going like they were they were like 16th heading into November, I believe. They split the national title with a Colorado team that benefited because of a clipping penalty and a fifth down, and still lost and tied and won the national title. So those are your other crazy ass years. And basically, what you see there, there's a lot of you know, if we went back to see who was coaching whom in 1990, the, the, or the, the balance of power in 1984, that was an area where nobody was remaining good. Bear Bryant had just retired. The balance of power was changing every single year, and that was a really weird time. And that could still happen. It's, I, I almost think it's easier for that to happen now than it was then um, because we have scholarship limits on, and all that. But you see that 84 was on the list, 85 was on the list, 83 was on the list. That's not a coincidence. There were things happening within the structure of the sport for why that was such a weird time. But, um, yeah, that was a lot. I was talking a while there. That was a lot. Uh, Bill, do, do the worst thing possible, which is to take 2007 and jam it, cram it through our current playoff structure. <laughs> really like taking a beautiful explosion and then trying to contain it. That's not a good metaphor. But, you know, it was a wonderful disaster that it ended up making something we still talk about today, right, in, in a good yeah. way. I don't know if the playoff makes it better. I think maybe you – I guess you can contain all the madness. Take me all the way up to – and for those of you – I guess I don't know how much of we should, we should just run through this in a linear pattern. But the long oh. and short of it is everyone keeps falling out of the top positions. Yeah. LSU has two losses and makes the national championship based largely around a PR stunt of undefeated in regulation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, so, okay, worked, right, it works right, so. after Pittsburgh beats West Virginia. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ohio State, I'm trying to remember what happens with Ohio State in the last... Well, they only lose to Illinois. But yes, they lost that's right, Illinois. that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so, Bill, take me to like mid-November and then cram this thing through the playoff structure. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was uh, one of the other pieces I did. And basically, the, if you assume that the first, uh, that November 6th, it would be the first whatever that is, Tuesday of November... That's your first playoff rankings. You have Ohio State, number one, at 10-0. and 0. Uh, You have LSU, Oregon, Oklahoma, 2-3-4, and four, in some order, but probably that order. Sounds very, a, very normal at this point. You've got 9-0 Kansas at 5. That's, that's a odd. little less normal. That, that's odd. You've got, uh, you got West Virginia, Missouri, 6-7. You've got Boston College, 8th. Oh, oh, boy. And they were just they had just lost to Florida State the week before. Then you have two lost Georgia starting to put things together. They had just whooped Troy at 9. And then you've got 8-1 and one, Arizona State, who also just lost. Uh, at 10. So that's where we start. And then uh, that, that, so the next Saturday, uh, Ohio State loses to Illinois. 
And and um, Boston College loses to Maryland. The next week, Arizona lo- uh, beats Oregon with you know Dennis Dixon's knee injury and all that. And uh, Sam Bradford suffers a concussion early in the game against Texas Tech, and OU loses to Texas Tech. Oh man, week, I forgot about that one. Yeah, the next week, uh, OU. Or the, excuse me, the next week, uh, Arkansas then beats LSU famously. Uh, Missouri beats Kansas. Uh, UCLA beats Oregon again, so Oregon's completely out. And we start, we head into championship weekend probably with a top five. I'm relatively confident about this of number one, Missouri, number two, West Virginia, number three, Ohio State. Uh, and then it gets a little weird, but I'm guessing number four, LSU, five, Georgia, six, Kansas. All right, run uh, the, run, do the one through four one more time. Number one is Missouri getting ready to play Oklahoma. Wow. Uh, number two is West Virginia getting ready to play Pitt. Awesome. Number three is Ohio State, who's been done for like a freaking month already. Okay. Uh, number four is LS getting ready to play number like a, a mid-teens Tennessee. Uh, Georgia is number five, and they're done. They do not get a conference title bump. Uh, it's just, uh, Kansas is, uh, I think, 11-1, and one, and they do not get a Kansas, uh, conference title bump. They're about six. Oklahoma's probably seventh. It is interesting, though, like seven OU and eight USC, both with two losses, both can blame a lot of that on quarterback injuries. Booty was hurt for both of USC's losses. Bradford was hurt for one of OU's losses. And so the committee could – that could have been an interesting thing to watch and how they were justifying that. But then, of course, number one loses to Oklahoma by 21 points. Number two loses to Pitt, uh, unranked Pitt. Uh, and then you've got chaos. You've got uh, you head into the 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 rankings, the official unveil, with absolutely no idea. Ohio State's going to be number one. LSU's probably number two because they uh, did have a tough schedule and they did lose only you know, in triple overtime to good, te- pretty good teams. Uh, number three is probably Oklahoma because of the Bradford injury and the fact that they beat Missouri twice. Um, you know, they, they probably have a good enough resume that they're a safe number three. And then honestly, like when I was drawing this up, I, I changed my mind about seven times on what happens next. So you've got right, USC. You you've got USC, 10 and two, Pac-12 champions, no, like their best win is against Arizona State, but their two losses were both against, uh, were, were both when jo- uh, John David Booty got hurt. But one of those losses was to Stanford, a bad Stanford. So it's impossible to really know how the committee is going to evaluate them. I, I ended up giving them the four spot because I assume. 10-0 and with Booty would have gotten it done, but they had no major quality wins. Georgia had a, go- a couple of really good wins, uh, Auburn, Florida, um, and but they don't get a conference title bump. Missouri, I honestly, I you know, felt like a homer, and I had to be talked out of this a little bit. Missouri is 11-0 against teams outside of the top three with wins over Kansas and probably a 31-point over a probably ranked Texas Tech. That that you know the the case to be made against Missouri there is that they you know they quote unquote proved they weren't playoff caliber by losing those games to OU but my god what did USC do to prove they were playoff caliber uh you know Georgia lost to a, a pretty mediocre South Carolina Missouri is like the only team that didn't lose to an, a mediocre team all year so I think they would have had a case I assume they don't get in but they would have absolutely had a case Virginia Tech would have had a case at 11 and 2 Kansas had a pretty good case at 11 and 1 so uh, you end up, you go into the final weekend with uh, eight different teams thinking they have at least a small chance of getting into the playoff. And who does? I say it's Ohio State, USC, and LSU, Oklahoma. Which again, boring as hell. That, yeah. That's the, what, the one so problem Ohio with State, the Oklahoma, USC, LSU. No, no, sorry. I, I, I paired them up. Number one, Ohio State. Oh, number, okay, two, LSU, number two, LSU. Number three, Oklahoma. And number four, USC. So you get uh, Ohio okay. State, USC in like the Peach Bowl instead of the Rose. And then you get LSU, Oklahoma, and probably the Fiesta. Now the other bowl pairings, this, is, uh, this was, uh, I, I got my Missouri revenge here accidentally. So Sugar Bowl, based on SEC versus Big 12, is probably five Georgia versus six Missouri. Orange Bowl um, is number seven, Virginia Tech, automatically. And then probably because of the weird, we want this kind of team, but if not, then it's a Big Ten or SEC team or maybe Notre Dame. Uh, It's probably number 10, Florida, not number eight, Kansas. So you got Virginia Tech, Florida in the orange. Okay. You've got in the Cotton Bowl, Big East champion West Virginia versus versus uh, mid-major, highest ranked Hawaii in the most amazing bowl ever. Huh. 
And that leaves I the like Rose, that game. That leaves the Rose Bowl. Number 12, Arizona State versus number 13, Illinois. That is ass. That is complete ass. Okay, so it doesn't, doesn't turn out. So it doesn't turn out in a spectacular, spectacularly mid-major or strange or underdog fashion. No. Um, but what it does is illustrate. Watch me pivot. Okay. The need for this process, because okay. in hindsight we look back and we see coaches stumping, PR firms quietly being contacted. Ugh. This is where we get to, I think, the bottom of the barrel of the BCS is this year because it just proves that college football is volatile enough to make your system look absolutely obsolete. And that's exactly what we ran into where not only was there a question at number two, but there was a question – there wasn't a great amount of confidence in number one. These things happen. They will happen again. And I'm not saying that a 14 playoff is perfect. That's a conversation for another date. I personally am an advocate for either six or eight. I can be swayed either way. Um, but this is a, the best example of the BCS being, you know, I'm not trying to take a national title away from LSU, but it's wrong. You know, it's, I don't know how you're right in this particular situation. <laughs> so I don't know how you, that's why I say I don't want to take anything away from LSU. You got in, you, d- you did what was necessary. So much of college football is not whether it's right, wrong, what, what moral standard there is. It's just, can, can you do this? Can, yeah. can you get away with this? Can you make this, can you work an unfair or morally bankrupt system to your advantage? And often the, the, the answer is yes. And so, hell, when you go through the pantheon of the sport, I think lobbying people publicly and getting on ESPN and coming up with a catchphrase is pretty... You know, pretty low level on the on the spectrum of gross things that happen in behind the scenes in this sport. So, yeah. um, I don't want to just focus on the outcome because I think you really lose the forest for the trees in doing so. This was a year that was, by definition, I think why you and I do what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, why you and I always are searching for not necessarily the fallout of the big number two versus number six CBS or ABC game on Saturday, but very much the um, we'll do a quick earmuff the holy shit moment, you know, <laughs> very much the the Thursday night kind of like drive-by rubbernecking type of thing. This was a year built on that, and just for another mind breaking kind of reference twitter starts in 2007 i think it's i think it launches in, i think it launches in 2006 yeah um in the valley it doesn't necessarily become anything in terms of an american right. marketplace of screaming like it is now a cut until i think i joined in 2009 um but twitter yeah, launches sounds- in 2007 it's it, it, it's still nascent it is not it is not like if you were to scroll back and i don't even know if this is possible i don't think it is cuz i think twitter archives everything after a year or two but if you were, so for instance we do this now at sb nation right but we we archive the oh my god kick 6 is the best example in the world yes. right of like what everyone's timeline looked like during kick 6 whereas if that didn't exist on on the block at App State, App State, Michigan, it didn't exist, and so I think that's another reason why it's taken on this sort of tall tale feeling. And that's awesome. It's just that we are now still sharing these 2007 recollections and moments because we were not yet this Borg collective of college football minds. Not to mention, SP Nation didn't really exist. Um, every day should every day should be Saturday. Was out there. just team sites. Um, there just were team sites in 07, yeah. But, but with no federation at all, just independent collectives. In fact, if I go back and think about the 2007 sports blogosphere, I was doing nothing. I was, free, I was still freelancing for newspapers and magazines when I had time. I was at a full-time job. I had left the media in 2006. Um, Spencer had a side every day should be Saturday. I know Adam Kramer had, I think, started Kegs and Eggs by then. Uh, oh, uh, Dr. Saturday was a big deal at Yahoo. Yep. Um, oh, he wasn't at Yahoo. Just, that was actually an SB Nation site. Um, was it? That's it? Yeah, no, that's how, because I actually, Matt Hinton, believe it or not, kind of gave me one of, I'm not going to call it a big break. Uh, who knows what big breaks are? But basically, I, using the SB Nation functionality, I did a couple fan posts about stats 
around 07, like either su- summer, fall of 07, somewhere in there. And he actually wrote a little bit about, about it. And that was like, holy crap, uh, you know, a heavyweight just noticed me, you know. And yeah. That was a big, that was a big thing. But that was within the SBN platform. And I started the Rock M Nation Missouri uh, site that fall. We at, at that point, most of the uh, power conference team sites had come aboard. Um, and they've changed ownership approximately 114 times since then. But uh, they were just starting to come together at that point. There was no landscape. It was it was it was a series of islands. So right. it was a loose archipelago. And and we and there wasn't even still a lot of communication because uh, comment sections. That's that's where the commentary was born. At every day should be Saturday. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple other forums. Doctor Saturday was a big deal. I remember the comment sections there. I remember. Yeah, he was. He wasn't even Doc Saturday yet. He was. He was Sunday morning quarterback. That's that was his first. Right. Oh, and it was on. It was on a, like a Blogspot, Blog Roll site. Yeah, that was a, like. But, a, but then became SB Nation. But it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember other ones right now. It's really hard for me to. I know I'm leaving out two or three other blogs, and it like it killed. Oh, uh, I mean, I think I think Doug was doing. Hey, Jenny Slater. Yeah. Um, which was which is sort of a Georgia-ish blog. Um, anyway, it, so not not to belabor it, but it, it was a very it was a very weird sort of like internet absent culture still, and probably the last year in which I remember that because I could also remember watching. Oh man, was it two thousand eight? Yeah, it was. It was two thousand eight uh, when Florida beat Oklahoma in the national championship. I was I, re- I was part of a live blog thing at one of the SP Nation sites already, I was, just as a contributor. And what do you, I don't know if you remember the cover at live rooms where basically like the person oh, yeah. and it was like it really was sort of Twitter before Twitter. Twitter was still starting and it was getting there, but this was this was a live faster Twitter with a closed environment. So. <laughs> very different time, very different culture. Um, what's your favorite non-Missouri moment? Um, probably Oregon, Michigan, because wow. that was well. That was, I mean, the the Statue of Liberty, the rever- like that was football. College football was becoming very, very fun that year. The fun offenses were actually winning and 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 threatening to win the national title. So you know, yeah. had we- you had West Virginia, you had Oregon, you had Kansas, Missouri, and all that. Uh, these were fun, unique. Uh, holy crap! I can't believe you can put up these kind of yards and points, kind of situations. But Oregon pantsing Michigan the way they did, um, and and with the stature of liberty, it's having so much fun doing it. That I think was obviously that wasn't an amazing Michigan team, although they did finish. I just pulled up the S and P Plus rankings that I'm going to w- read through here in a second because it's kind of funny too. But um, I mean, Michigan ended up 15th. That wasn't – I know Michigan fans were, oh, that was terrible. That was the worst season, and for very obvious reasons. Um, but they still were pretty good, and, and Oregon absolutely pants them on national television, and that was a stunning thing at the time. I think I would go with Backyard Brawl. It's See, like- I, I didn't experience that one because I was experiencing my own Missouri-Oklahoma-related awfulness. So I, I didn't experience that one live like most people did. It was it was a weird it was a weird two three week span in which f- fans of teams and all these like you know traditional powerhouse brands that we've talked about that weren't good were looking for a reason just to reinvest temporarily like <laughs> I, I thought I've talked about this before like usually in any sports playoff if I care at all I'll just sort of pick a team if I don't have a team that I naturally cheer for and just be like oh I hope they win you know um and everyone seemed to come around in West Virginia at the same time and just to watch it like. Turned down in such a manner, um, and then couple that, of course, with what happened with Michigan. I mean, I remember being, I remember being in the Detroit airport on a layover, something going to or from Europe for my job at the time, and seeing the massive, like, full. We would call it a five column in the old newspaper days, but it was a Detroit Free Press um, picture of of Rich Rod signing or not signing but you know the, the introductory press conference where he holds up the jersey and all that stuff i remember that seeing that at like 4 or 5 a.m come out in the newspaper stand in the detroit airport and thinking just how strange that was and i mean i'm not saying i had some sort of like premonition or anything like that but just looking at that and thinking that's just not right <laughs> so 
Um, yeah, no, everything that happens in the backyard brawl, the way it happens and how it ripples through college football, because I don't think you get Jim Harbaugh without Rich Rodriguez right. not winning a national title and going to Michigan. I think those things conspire. I think also, I mean, when you talk about a 10-year reverberation, I think Ed Orgeron... LSU head, Ed Orgeron, LSU head coach, is the exact same situation because the equity Miles gets from taking a two-loss team to the national championship is it, it keeps him alive so much longer than he probably would have been in Baton Rouge, and that's not that's not conjecture. That's sourced that's sourced information at this point. Right. Um, and combine that with Ed Orgeron. This is not something that really shows up when we talk about 2007 is probably still coaching in the SEC in 2008 if he doesn't call for a, a, a if he doesn't go for it on fourth down against Mississippi State loses the egg bowl by 3 <laughs> he's coaching Ole Miss in 2008 they don't hire Houston Nutt all the stuff that happens last week at, at Ole Miss has changed forever as well and then I think he, Ed Orgeron's career is dramatically different Les Miles' career is dramatically different I don't know how much I mean the narrative on Miles was that he was he was failing to establish dominance with amazing talent, but his critics could always go back to like yeah, but I mean like he's he's the Mad Hatter and he's crazy. But remember two thousand seven? Remember two thousand seven? To take that to take that away from him is to essentially cut him off. Maybe maybe as early as two thousand ten or eleven. I really believe that. Yeah, every single coaching search is a spectacular butterfly effect. And when you add yeah, a really season is. like this that has so many repercussions, it really is pretty amazing. Um, uh, as quickly as I possibly can, here's the countdown of the S&P Plus rankings for you. Uh, number 27, Nebraska, 5-7. and seven. They played an amazing schedule. Number 26, Ar- uh, Washington, 4-9. and nine. They also played an amazing schedule. But then it gets pretty, pretty much normal. Number 25, 9-4, Auburn. 24, 10-3, Cincinnati. 23, 7-6, Cal, who was very good until Hang about... Just to down so that's Tommy Toberville's Auburn, and that is Brian Kelly, Cincinnati. Yes, that is two years before Cincinnati almost, almost makes the BCS title again. They were good for more than just that one year, for A sure. Jeff Tedford, Cal team starting to head south the yeah the the last uh, potentially awesome jeff tedford cal team i believe okay number 22 uh texas tech which then the next year almost uh went (laughs) makes the bcs title game themselves um number 21 kentucky uh, eight eight and five but with a couple of very 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 good wins number 20 rutgers eight and five uh still only two years removed from their peak yeah, was it five or six that they peak? It's six that I'm thinking of Louisville and five of Rutgers, right? No, no, no. Six was the year that Rutgers beat Louisville. I think that was That's okay. Right, right, right. Okay. It was a Thursday uh, night. I remember it was a Thursday night game. Jeremy Ito pointed at the camera. Uh, number 19, Illinois at nine and four. Uh, obviously, that, that feels very right for Illinois. They were good. They beat Ohio State, but they lost to Missouri. They got crushed by USC. Uh, number 18, BYU finished the year smoking hot, won 11 games. We, we don't mention them at all in this entire series, I don't think. Uh, number 17, Kansas, obviously wrecked by uh, schedule adjustments. Uh-huh. Uh, number 16, and this is this will tick Kansas fans off, Oklahoma State, who Kansas uh, beat in Stillwater by, I think, a touchdown. Uh, but they also, their offense was incredible. Des Bryant was on that team. Number 15, Michigan, who rebounded after the first two weeks. Number 14, Virginia. Oh, yeah, but let me stop it. Lloyd Carr beats Florida in the, what we know now, what is the Cap bowl, 1 Bowl. Yeah, in Orlando. I mean, he doesn't go out like a, a loser. It's just no. never talked about. Yeah, they go. They finished 9-2. and two. They started 0-2, finished 9-2. Beat a good Florida team that had just won a national championship. Yeah, and, and I don't remember what the score of the Ohio State game was that year, but they still, yeah, they finished strong. They finished well. Uh, number 14, Virginia Tech, who Kansas also beat uh, just barely. Uh, they were 11 and three. They're 14. Jo- Here's something interesting. Uh, Georgia finished the year. I had like a little weighted S and P plus rating that I put in here that I don't really like all that much. And I want to redo, but I put it in there and they were first in the weighted version, which means they finished the year as the best team, but they were so mediocre the first four to six weeks of the year that they only finished 13th. So that's well, the- I'm going to pause you there. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Um, so the other piece that I did was to talk to Steve Spurrier, not about South Carolina and not about Florida, but about. You didn't actually speak, though, did you? You just said hello and. I, sp- I spoke a couple words. I spoke a couple words, but it basically, it's sort of like light the fuse and get away. To quote, uh, <laughs> to quote, a, to quote a band from Athens, Georgia. Um, so Steve Spurrier 
uh, all-time winningest coach against the University of Georgia. The bane of Georgia's ex- existence. I had a kind of left-field pitch in the meeting about 2007, and that's that you're looking through those hypothetical situations, and there's Georgia. There's Georgia. Georgia, who could have had the moment, man, could have gone to Atlanta, could have, I think, beaten LSU, could have this, – this could have been the national title moment that Mark Rick needed finally, right? It would have been so much to that state, so much to that uh, – I mean just the culture of losing in sports in the state of Georgia. They drop – a game to a to a South Carolina team that goes on to finish the year six and six on a huge skid. They don't score a touchdown at home. At home, they have no Sean Marino. They have Stafford. They have all those guys. So I interviewed Spurrier, and Spurrier, of course, wants to talk about particular Florida wins. I think it was ninety two. He said was his all his favorite win over Georgia, and I kind of had to guide him into under because he didn't really. Spurrier is is it autodidactic, Bill? Like he essentially can spit off numbers right. better than <laughs> literally better than you, better than anyone I've ever heard of. He was talking about down and distance situations and scores by quarter of games that were ten, fifteen, twenty years ago on the phone with me. Um, Spurrier adopts this gnarled, nasty defensive first ball control offense thing as as South Carolina is starting to sort of turn the corner under him. And they destroy Georgia's hopes in a national title, but no one really knows it yet because it's like week two or week three. Um, so this is a, this is one of those years in hindsight. And the reason why I volunteered for this is because I'm evil and I like to troll Georgia because I have a lot of Georgia fans that are in my my family and my sort of in my sphere because I'm from the state. But no one like my parents went to Georgia Southern and UGA fans are fiercely annoying. This was the year that they go back and look at later and go, oh God. Yeah. Oh god. I didn't realize it till you said it. Like that was a perfect this that was, was the window. Truly screwed them. Yeah. Even more a lot of people always talk about the Terrence Edwards drop in Jacksonville in 02. I think this is worse. I really do. Continue. Yeah, um by the way, Matthew Stafford in that game 19 for 44 with a pick. Um Tyrone Nix. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, that, that's an interesting subplot is we think back at Georgia was amazing. They would have definitely won a playoff. That's kind of the narrative. And they might have. They really were smoking hot at the end of the year. It took them a long time to get there. All right, that was 13. 12, 9 and 4 Penn State, uh, one of the few teams that played good defense that year. Uh, number 11, Texas at 10 and 3. If I had, you know, in the situation I was, I am in currently with projections and everything I'm doing, I was only writing for, no, I started working, uh, writing for Football Outsiders the next year. And obviously these were, these ratings were done, uh, redesigned after the fact. But in the situation where Texas is, uh, 11th at 10 and 3 with a, uh, really, really good, most of their team coming back in 08, I'm absolutely putting Texas in like my top three the next year. So I'm retroactively claiming success on that one. Bill, who is this? This is like a Texas team lost to time. So it's post Vince. Yeah, but it's yeah, it was pre Colt. Yeah, it was is the second David year. Ash? No, it was it was Colt. It was his. Um, this is his first year. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, 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 no. Oh six, he was right after Vince. So he was a redshirt freshman in 06. He would have been a sophomore in 07. Okay. Um, gotcha. And I'm, hold on a second. But I, I think he's splitting time at this point. He no 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 he was he was it he threw for three he threw for thirty three hundred yards but he threw eighteen picks uh, Jamal Charles was big that year he had sixteen hundred rushing yards Bill, they, I mean they were a talented team Bill uh, yeah Bill do you know who I'm thinking of Chevin Sneed yeah yeah and that was the year before that was oh Colt, yes Colt beats him out then Sneed spins all of 07. yes and Ed Orgeron lands him that's right okay continue. <laughs> Yeah, so they lose midseason at Kansas State, of course, and then they lose to OU, and then they uh, they get they lose at A uh, and M to. End oh my the God, season. Bill! Bill, that's the Ron Prince game. That was one of the Ron Prince games. Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. Another. So another. My one of my. That was two, the one at home. That was the one they lost at home by twenty. Points. One of my two best friends, diehard Texas fan, he's from Pflugerville. Um, we're at a wedding in New Orleans, and we he, as they're losing to K-State again, we, we are getting way, way too drunk to make it through the day. And so we have to pass out and then wake back up, and we actually miss most of the wedding. So that's another 07 memory. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> kind of a non-memory, I guess. Um, well, and also, yeah, we didn't book a hotel room. We just flew to New Orleans, did a whole day, and then just oh. walked back to the airport. It was the oh, dumbest God. idea. In, okay. Oh, my God, that is a terrible idea. 
Well, you know, I'm 10 years younger at this point. And I'm, I'm not that smart now. So There was no Uber. Um, yeah, I just – that's right. This was – Kansas State won by 20 with three return touchdowns. Yes. Truly stupid in every possible way. All right. They were 11. Number 10, Missouri. Uh, top five offense, really kind of wholly mediocre defense till about halfway through the year. They, a couple of years later, they get good at defense, but that was a transition year, kind of. Their offense was just so good, though. Uh, number nine, Tennessee. Uh, and I can kind of, that's pretty justifiable, I think. They, they whooped Georgia, among other things. They gave LSU a really nice game. Uh, they won 10 games. That was a top 10 level Tennessee team. Number eight, USC. They were another team that, that was smoking hot. Now, that's obviously – I don't adjust for injuries. So they had another number 25 offense, probably like 15 with, with Booty in there, whatever. Yeah. Number, number seven, and this is – I love the end-of-season rankings because it shows you the plot twist midway. Georgia wasn't good until the end, and then they were great. Number seven, USF was so good the first half of the year, they finished seventh. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that one that one threw me off. But yeah, if you go back and look at the results of that year, um, they, I mean, they they really they they beat Auburn, they beat West Virginia, which they get a lot of credit for. Obviously, they just they they uh, destroy UCF. Then uh, their losses in midseason were by three to a good Rutgers, by seven to a pretty good uh, UConn, and by five to a good Cincinnati. So even when they collapsed, they still weren't that bad. And then they come back and they destroy Syracuse and Louisville. So that was actually that was that team was better than we remember it because we remember them playing drunk and hungover against Oregon, uh, which I think we wrote about that too, right? That was part of the series too, I believe. Yes. Uh, I can't. Well, actually, I haven't not read that one yet. I'm looking forward to it. Number six. Oklahoma, um, up and down. Obviously, they, they don't get credit for uh, the for Sam Bradford getting hurt against Tech, but they still like a good team, clearly, but maybe not the best team. Number five, Oregon, which breaks your heart a little bit because they really were number one uh, until early November, and then they completely and totally fell apart. Number four, Ohio State. That's fine. Number three, with the best offense in the country and the worst uh, defense, I believe, Urban Meyer has ever been associated with, Florida. Wow. Yeah. Was there D.C. that year? That was, was that still Charlie Strong? I think he it wasn't, was. He, he wasn't at Louisville yet. Uh, really super young defense, if I remember right. But then you look at their schedule, they, they destroyed Tennessee. Yeah, it is Charlie Strong because he ends up being the interim in that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so they destroy Tennessee. They lose to Auburn by three, to LSU by four, uh, to Georgia by 12, to Michigan by six, and they utterly, completely destroy everybody else. They start the next year probably uh, projected number one in S&P+. Again, I will take credit for that after the fact. Number two, LSU. Fine. And number one, this will also break your heart, the only team that had a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense that year, West Virginia. Oh, man. Oh, well, I hate to leave it on such a downer, Bill, but um, so, yeah, uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this. Just go check out the package. That's the only thing we're asking is uh, go to SB Nation, fall into any one of the weird little corners. You will lose yourself for a day and a half. I mean, if any, if your work pro- productivity declines, it means our work productivity was not in vain. So uh, we hope you guys like it. We'll, we'll probably have another standalone episode coming soon for our season preview. Um, because who knows, maybe 2017 will be just as bizarre as 2007, except we'll be here to scream about it with you on Twitter and various yeah. other cool new technology apps and stuff. That's, I would love nothing more than, than a repeat. We've waited 10 years. Let's celebrate it by doing it again. Absolutely. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, regular schedule. Bill, you want to do it again? Let's do it.